Sequence is loading. I'm sexually very indefatigable. <laughs> oh God! Tsunami, Holocaust, Trent Lott. Ready, ready, ready. Relax. Breathe. Enjoy. Denny Craig. All right, everybody. Walk and Live big, my friend. Live big. From Forest Rain Studios, the home of boston-legal.org, you're connected and in our home of Boston Illegal Radio. And it's a story of fathers and daughters, partners, a new beginning, a final end, old flames, reconciliation, forgetting your life, and living big. It's Friday, March 3, 2006, and it's a few days after Boston Legal Tuesdays, but it's about 10 days after the episode we'll be delving into today. I'm Dana Greenlee, and you're listening to Boston Illegal, where the unofficial weekly audio experience of Boston Legal, that's the David E. Kelly-produced television show, broadcast here in the U.S. on ABC and uh, along with 20th Century Fox, and of course, all those casts and creatives and the 1001 executive producers that <laughs> seem to put on Boston Legal over at David E. Kelly Productions. Today's Boston Legal Radio is essentially a conversation about the 16th episode of season two. That's 33 episodes in the lifespan of Boston Legal, and it's entitled Live Big. And those of you that keep track, and um, I appreciate that, you may have noticed we've skipped over Smile, the episode prior to Live Big, but we won't skip over it for long. We'll we'll backtrack and take care of that. Well, today, I'm very excited to have a special co-host with us. I'm going to tease you a little bit. She was in the episode... She was a very important device that launched a whole new storyline for one of the credited characters in the episode. She's Canadian. She has an amazing voice. Welcome, Georgia Murray. Hello. How are you doing, Dana? Oh, I'm doing great. More importantly, how are you? You're up in uh, Victoria. I am in Victoria, and I'm doing fantastic. Oh, that can tell. I Very can tell. good. <laughs> that is like the most beautiful city in all of British Columbia. I, I don't know. I have not seen all the cities in British Columbia. It is an exceptional place to live, I must admit. It's beautiful, and I live really close to the water, and oh. it's just it's beautiful. I love coming into that bay on the ferry and, and getting off, and you just have that I beautiful oh, hotel. Yeah. The Empress Hotel. The Empress, <laughs> yes. It's like a castle or parliament or something. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you are going to be here the whole podcast, not just not just here for a little interview. No, I am here. I'm in. Good. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be talking all about your. uh, Well, we'll just react as a viewer to Live Big and as a participant in Live Big. So you're going to have some behind the scenes interesting comments. I will. But some of the scenes that you weren't involved in, you can you can just like the rest of us. Absolutely. Have you seen the episode? <laughs> I have. I have many times. Yeah, I bet. I got the Tebow going on heavy, so. <laughs> and you had to watch it with your family. You probably had yes. to watch it with your friends. And... Oh, absolutely. I'm, and I'm still watching it myself back and forth. <laughs> it's a great, it it's a great episode. It is. Watch. Well, I just wanted to quick interject. We'll get some business out of the way. Um, we always like to remind everybody where they can get Boston Illegal Radio Podcast. Of course, you can get it right on the website at boston-legal.org and at podcast.yahoo.com and Odeo and iTunes. Actually, right now, I know, well, I don't know how long it's been, but I've just noticed now that if you go in the podcast directory at iTunes, 
click on TV and film. It's like a directory. They have maybe about the top 30 or so um, podcasts that are like in a little thumbnail form, the ones that they sort of feature. And we're there. And in fact, if you sort by title, as opposed to just random sorting, we're right there on the front page, right next to ABC Desperate Housewives, ABC Official Lost, ABC Commander in Chief, and then there's Boston Legal. Of course, it's only because it's alphabetized and ABC <laughs> in Boston is at the top of the alphabet. But we like that. And oh, a new thing, Georgia. Do you get, you said you had TiVo. Is it seriously TiVo? Well, it's, it's, it's a Canadian TiVo. Oh. We don't actually call it TiVo, but I say that just so people, we don't yeah. even, I don't even know what we call it here, but so yes, it's basically <laughs> the same thing. So we okay. do have it. I'm not sure if it has the feature, if it's just for the official TiVo, not the generic Kleenex version of TiVo, but <laughs> there is, now you can bring podcasts into your TiVo. So there's, uh, you know, we, oh, wow. we can click through your menu and see seasons pass and what's playing and all that. And now you can go to, um, podcasts and you can bring in the Boston legal one. So right now, sometimes when I'm, you know, you watch your episode. I sometimes listen to my podcast. And so I'll put it yeah. on as I'm cleaning the kitchen and it's blaring out of the big screen. You have like a little picture of, uh, I think we have Alan Shore, Denny Crane, um, Brad Chase, uh, and a whole description of the episode that'll be on your TV screen. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's that good. is very cool. I don't know if we have that same feature. I'll have to check it out. Check, it, check out. it out. <laughs> when I listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, Georgia, you are going to tell everybody what we're going to do, kind of the rundown. Yes. Well, you're going to want to listen to the full show. Uh, first, Dana and I will deconstruct Live Big. We'll get Deb from Montreal on the phone to revisit our parallel universe trek in the courtroom. She's found similar themes of weddings and parental estrangement. <clears throat> Finally, we'll merge into some BL news of the week. Oh, yes. We've got a few bits of news to uh, talk about, and George is going to help me with that. Um, and, of course, she'll be peppering the conversation with the insights from her work on that episode. Um, after we dissect Live Big... I'm going to get her to talk, dish something a little bit about another episode that you were involved with. And I don't know that everybody knows this. We've certainly been talking about it. What episode? (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what episode you're going to maybe talk about. Well, the episode Finding Nemo, um, surprisingly enough, was filmed at my family owned resort. And that's where I kind of met all these Boston legal folks. And that's how I got the opportunity to come and sing on the show because I was working there at the time. And they were there filming. And I don't think people know this either, but the guide on the show was actually my brother, surprisingly. The handsome guy? Yeah, the, the guy <laughs> that, you know, Denny and Alan were fishing with. That was my brother. He so. put Denny in time out. <laughs> yeah, so there's this whole big Murray Nemo Bay connection with Boston Legal and our family. It's pretty well, funny. That is amazing. I noticed him, and then I noticed that there was a Murray in the credits. Yep. That's him? You know, that for a minute I thought that was your father, but no, it's... No, yeah, my brother, and then my other brother was um, one of the fly fishermen just in the background, so... Excellent. I hooked this all up. <laughs> did he get any lines, Georgia? He didn't. He's oh. not... He's kind of a lot more shy. He likes to be in the background. That's his thing. So he was really comfortable. Oh, you mean Mike Clifton? Did Clifton get but any Clifton. lines? Clifton. The guy did, yes. He had lines. My other brother, Fraser, didn't have any, but Clifton did. Georgia's all Hollywood. The guy had lines. She didn't say my brother, Clifton. The, the guy. <laughs> Call him by their character names. <laughs> <laughs> the guide, in quotes. Yeah. And not only will we hear about her experience while they filmed in Bombay, which was, by the way, last spring, right? Even though, yeah, last April. Yeah, April, and it, yet it aired October 11th. Yeah, they had the little delay there. They kind of were on a hiatus for a bit, and then they came back in October. So Darn, we were all suffering through that Grey's Anatomy even forced time. I know, it was terrible. But we'll also find out about your three-song CD, and uh, you're working on an EP, is that right? 
Yeah, right now I just have a demo, and I'm working on an EP, and so we can chat about all that fun stuff later on. And we'll everybody hang in there because she has a special treat, and she has a free MP3 for y'all. I do, I do. Definitely want to hang around for that. Okay. Well, as um, as we alluded to, we're going to take this storyline by storyline, and there was only three major storylines, but we always call the balcony a separate one. So there was the wedding and the best man. That was the storyline with Ivan, Missy, and Shirley, and... um show tunes then there was the most important storyline the one that georgia was in the fathers and the daughters that's the paul reconnects with rachel his daughter and then finally alan's storyline with the alzheimer's as a story point to coin the phrase that denny used the story of ryan myers and we'll conclude with the balcony scene yes um liz big was directed by bill delia and written by david e kelly um, I would like yeah, okay. to hear a little bit because you probably, well, obviously you worked with Bill because yes, he was the director. I did. He was so unbelievably wonderful. He actually was there. Well, he didn't direct, but he was there for the Liz Big or the Finding Nemo episode as well, and they were just so sweet. Oh. Um, but so David E. Kelly wrote this script um, with Tom Selleck in mind. Uh, the show creator and producer Kelly returns to the role of writer for the first time since. The Boston Legal Two uh, Ten Legal Deficit episode. So he took a little was, break. <laughs> yeah, he, he took a he totally took a break. Because that was uh, be nice. <laughs> that was early December. You're right, but he was yeah. working on this script. Yeah, and I mean, rightfully so, because it was remarkable. Um, so this will mark the 23rd episode of this show, written or co-written by Kelly. Um, that's out of 33 in total, like we said earlier. Wow. Um, the episode, again, was directed by Bill D'Elia, uh, the executive producer. He is also, sorry, the executive producer. And he's worked on um, a few shows with Kelly since Chicago Hope in 94, but has occasionally directed episodes of non-Kelly shows. Oh. Uh, in particular, three episodes of The West Wing. Oh, do you Very like The West cool. Wing? Yeah. I do, I do. It's, it's, it's good. It's one of those good ones as well. <laughs> so D'Elia has previously directed three episodes of Boston Legal, Head Cases, the first one. BL Till We Meet Again. And BL 2.4, <clears throat> which was A Whiff and a Prayer. And he also directed two episodes of The Practice. Oh, wow. Yeah, Concealing Evidence and The Case Against Alan Shore. Oh, see, those were both season eights. Those were the ones that introduced Alan and uh, the, the famous arc that won him the Emmy, his first Emmy at, for The Practice. The Case Against Alan Shore was when he was defending his childhood uh, Buddy, who now is in Grey's Anatomy, McDreamy. Oh, oh. But anyway, did you did you see any of season eight of The Practice? I di- I've seen a few episodes here and there, mm-hmm. just sort of caught them on TV, but mm-hmm. I haven't watched them like you know in consecutive order, or mm-hmm. I wasn't sort of on the practice train. But I have seen <laughs> episodes here and there, definitely. Now suddenly you'll have more interest in it. <laughs> I will absolutely. I'm all of a sudden getting all this interest in these wonderful shows. <laughs> it's great. Anything you want to tell about Bill and his directing style? I know you've just enthused about him, but, uh, you know, was he was he big on doing multiple takes? Well, um, it was funny because I have never done any TV work before ever. And so I really wasn't sure going in there if I was going to be told, you know, what I needed to do, if they were going to take me aside and say, this is sort of what we feel you need to do with this scene. I, I did originally have one line and it got taken out. but uh, What was it? He, it was um, right before I sing the Thanks Again song, I say, this next one goes out to all the parents, especially all the fathers, and especially mine. Aww. But um, it got taken out, but it was actually better. It worked better with the, it was really dramatic, I think, how the guitar just came in. Yeah, and it didn't telegraph what it was. You had to actually listen to the lyrics to exactly. understand. Yeah. So it kind of 
drew you in, I think. Yeah. I think it was a smart choice. Unfortunately, my line got taken out, but that's no. okay. <laughs> so you had a chance <laughs> to... for the good of the show. Did you actually speak your line and then they took it out in editing or did you just... Yeah, just out in editing. Okay. So after... I didn't know until I watched the show, but um, oh. that's how I guess it goes. Yes. But um, uh, Bill was so wonderful. He was just so sweet. Um, and they did a, a, a quite a number of takes, but it was mostly just to get the different camera shots, not so much because there was screw ups. It was just mm-hmm. to get the different angles because everybody right. needs to get their different, you know, their head face on and their profile and their reactions. And they so shot basically, from the stage behind, kind of behind you because you got you in profile. Then exactly. From the floor. There was a few and... different angles and that was how it was for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was really lovely and made me feel so comfortable as did everyone. I am so thoroughly impressed with all the Boston legal people. They all, Candace Bergen, William Shatner, they just, they're all so, James Spader, they were really so wonderful. Oh. I can't even say enough good things about them. And uh, Bill Dilley, especially having him direct the episode was just such a pleasure and, and really, really exciting. And really, you're right, a rare pleasure because he, you know, we just noticed he only did three episodes of all exactly. the 33 so, they've done. Yeah. And when I saw, um, when I got the script and I saw that he was directing, I was, I was excited, but really nervous too, because he's one of the executive producers, and yeah. and I know he doesn't direct a lot, so it was probably a big deal that he was directing this episode, and so that kind of you know got it was a big in. deal. Yeah, <laughs> this was but, a big episode. You know, it really all of that just melted away as soon as I got on set. It was oh. just so wonderful. Oh, that's great. So they made me feel right at home. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we get to Paul's storyline. Um, for some reason, I just thought I was going to stick you right in the middle. So we're going to start out with the big Hollywood name. That would be mm-hmm. Tom Selleck and his storyline with Shirley. There's no better way, I think, to start out <laughs> talking about this than just to play actually the cold open of Ivan Tiggs coming in on Shirley's office. And actually, his first line will reveal that he um, she was bending over and pulling something out of a bottom drawer when he walked in. That is some fine south of the border, Schmidt. Ivan? Take me back, Shirley. That's all I ask. You came here to ask me to take you back? No, actually, I'm getting married. But if you were to take me back... Married? Ivan, no. We talked about this. This time it's real, Shirley. I feel it deep down to my... Bone, I'm sure. She's funny. She's smart. She's practically you. Just a much younger model. Oh, that's sweet. Shirley... I'd like you to be best man. What do you mean? If a man wants his closest friend to be his best man, he should have it. Stand by my side, Shirley. I want you to get me away. It's only right. Um, first of all, you raise several issues. The first is that the best man doesn't give the groom away. The second is that you and I used to be married. And the third is, I'm not a man. As trustee for my heart for 25 plus years... We were married for four. I have only known two great loves in my life. You and now Missy. Okay. As far as our great love goes, you strayed during our honeymoon. And let's not even discuss the name Missy. Is she a pony? (laughs) That pony comment kind of makes me think of... There was one where um, an old friend of Shirley's came in who had a cow fetish. Did you see this one? Oh, I don't know. I saw that one. Oh, and so she has this, like, I guess, worry about people being in love with barnyard oh, animals. I don't know. <laughs> now, uh, did you catch that? Well, they were actually not only partners in love, and but partners in a law firm. Tiggs and Schmidt, law firm. 
Interesting. So he's a lawyer, which, you know, is probably you don't marry someone in your own profession. It's probably a little too close to home. There was a nice big spread, by the way, I just want to say with Tom Selleck in TV Guide, which also, of course, was good publicity for your premiere, your debut. (laughs) But um, TV Guide did a nice two-page spread. Anybody who didn't grab a copy of that because they had nice pictures of um, that of Boston Legal. That's nice to have on hand. Tell us a little bit about Tom Selleck. You know, a lot of people were maybe, in fact, I think you were probably born about the same time Magnum P.I. was on the air. Yeah. In mid-80s. Well, um, yeah, I was. And I do actually, I remember the show, though, I, mostly reruns. I right. <laughs> but unfortunately, because we were in those scenes together, mm-hmm. I didn't get to meet him at all. Darn. Um, and so he, yeah, he came the day after I shot all my scenes. And he came, and he was actually going to go into the recording studio that I recorded in the day after me and on set the day after me. So I kind of like just missed the boat on that one. But I'm sure he's great. Everybody else is great. <laughs> Didn't you just tell me, just before we started interviewing, that um, Access Hollywood came into the set the day after you were there? Yeah, the day after, they decided to come and interview him about the show because it's his first um, TV show that he's done in such a long time since Friends. So they were there, and I was like, hey, do you know who was there the day before? <laughs> <laughs> they were in me, you know. <laughs> but it would have been really cool if I could have been there for that. But they did. They came right on set and interviewed him. And I don't know if you ever saw Three Men and a Baby, his movie. I did. I saw that. I saw that. Did a you... long time ago. I could barely remember, but I, I definitely did see it. Well, in Georgia, did you know that there's a, there's a tie-in between Boston Legal and Three Men and a Baby? There's This movie was directed by Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy played Spock on Star Trek. So oh. we always like to pull in all these six degrees, you know? Yeah, little connections. That's interesting. I had no idea. Wow. Now, the whole concept of this storyline is that Ivan would like to actually win back Shirley. I don't think that he's, you know, I think he fully intended to marry Missy, but, you know, he's going to try. And then he asks, of course, Shirley to be the best man. And that brings her in. Now, CB fan, which is a person that posted in our forum, brought this um, interesting parallel. You probably know now since you've actually met and sat in makeup and hair with shirt with uh, Candace Bergen. Yeah. She was in a show called Murphy Brown. Yes. And they had a same plot line in an old Murphy Brown episode. Seems like no gold way. times. Yeah. I guess Murphy and used to go out with a person named Jerry, and uh, they were together, and then they broke up. And Jerry comes back into her life and says he's getting married, and she tries to, you know, kick him out. You know, he's trying to rekindle something, and, and he asks her to be the best man. Are you serious? <laughs> no. That is yes. So you know, that was probably totally done intentionally. I guess. I bet you David Kelly, because he's very, you know, he was probably doing that intentionally to kind of like... Oh, yeah. I mean, I totally give him the the wink because I know that he's not, obviously, he's not plagiarizing old scripts, but I think he does that. He loves to bring in, like, the various comments from, you know, the past. He loves to, he brings, he loves to bring in, I was even talking to a lot of the crew when they were up at Nemo Bay and they said, um, you know, he's such a casual, chill guy and he's very kind of calm and quiet and not too loud and outgoing. And they say that they're freaked out to even say things in their trailers because all of a sudden it'll end up like in the storylines of the show. Like little, <laughs> you know, gossip between each other will somehow make it like into the storylines. And so they're like, you never know. Like he's listening. He knows. <laughs> That's he's good. Really funny like that. He loves to put real life things or I mean past, you know, past 
things, I guess, that Candace was in. <clears throat> and Candace may have said them. And just like, well, that is kind of what happened to you. You were just doing your job, singing, well, exactly. working. And then you, you don't hear from them for, you know, and why should you, right, for nine months? Well, yeah. And exactly. then you got a, a voicemail. Oh, I get a phone call out of nowhere about my answering machine. I, I, I It was like the Valco Miller casting with Boston Legal Casting, and I, I thought they needed to get a hold of my brother or something. Oh, <laughs> oh your brother. I didn't even think of that dynamic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's what I thought initially when I got the message. He's going to he was like, they should be. It should be for me. That's Hollywood calling for me. Yeah, yeah, for me. They need me to come. <laughs> <laughs> That's really great. You know, you have to be careful about what you say too, because you may show up and you didn't tell him any um, bad stories, did you? No. no. Well, well, I hope not. Maybe, maybe he overheard. That. I don't know. We'll have to cross our fingers. All of a sudden, I'll watch an episode. I'll be like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> it's okay. You'll get the twenty-page non-disclosure agreement when, it, yeah, when they exactly. decide. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, let's jump into another um, soundbite from that storyline. We just have a few, but uh, this is um, Ivan and Shirley once again, and actually Missy joins them. Are you okay with this? Oh, I am. Well, you're dear to my Ivan, and I'm certainly wise enough to know that the heart wants what the heart wants, so long as his penis doesn't weigh in. <laughs> she has a funny laugh, I didn't tell you. Yes, you left that out. Bambi's mother got shot. Sometimes when she starts, she can't stop, so I have to tell her something tragic to snap her out of it. Tell me, what brought you two together? Well, I'd have to say church. Also, his sense of humor. Did he make you giggle? (laughs) Only in bed. (laughs) It's best not to amuse her. I can see this. Bill Buckner. I apologize. Anyhow, where we really connected, I think, was our love of musical theater. Anybody could be that guy. Mamma Mia. <laughs> I hate to cut her off. But, you know. <laughs> oh, that is too funny. I'm just is... cracking up during that laugh. <laughs> oh, I mean, if you had to do that a bunch of times, wouldn't like, the back of your throat start getting raw after a while <laughs> with those snorts? I know. Oh, my gosh. The incredible Meredith Patterson. That was the person who played Missy. Um, MeredithPatterson.com. She's got a great site up there. Well, it, you know, I hate to say, you know, I'm kind of shy about certain words, but they use the word penis <laughs> and <laughs> and i guess i guess that's one of the things that you can say right i guess oh, well apparently so <laughs> but it's interesting you know what? go ahead sorry oh well in the script sorry to interrupt you but in the script that i have they say the f word like and it's written in the script oh which line they obviously didn't say it in the show where is my script again it just got i just put it down i'm walking all over my house oh here it is it might take me a minute to find it, but it was in it was in there. I mean, my boyfriend were reading it and and obviously didn't get in the show, but it's funny that they would put that even in the script. So, you know, I read something just recently while you're looking for it, and I can't remember where, but because I had the same question, there's a coming script where between Rachel and Paul actually, where they're going to take her to a a detox place. And she says the f word all the time. To- all oh, it's all in the script everywhere. And I thought, how are they going to handle that? And then I read, that David e. Kelly writes exactly the for the tone of the scene. Oh, then when they yeah, get to the sense. scene, they somehow they somehow change it. But he wants to convey it to the actors. This is really what this coming out of their mouths. And then of course they they do an in run around uh, standards and practices. And yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, they can kind of 
get the emotion through, I guess, if they see those words there. Where I, This is going to take me forever to find it. I, I don't even know. if I have no idea where it is. Okay. And I've got this. But we can continue. Actually, Georgia, there's a there's an episode coming up. Actually, it'll be the the third episode that Tom Selleck is in. It's he's going to be in one called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and then in mm-hmm. April, one called Ivan the Incorrigible. Mm-hmm. And in there, there's a storyline that uses the well, not the p word, not the f word, but the v word. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I know the what female you're equivalent. About. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now made famous. I just happened to see Grey's Anatomy. Now everybody's using the vajayjay. You know, this is like oh yeah, the that's word. right. Stop looking at my vajayjay. <laughs> yeah. I saw that one next. That was like the only Grey's Anatomy episode I've ever watched. Yeah, that was my first one too. Right yeah, after the Super I think Bowl. Because that yeah, it was right after the Super Bowl, and I was sick that night actually. So I was I was I was just stuck in front of the TV. You were and forced. It came on. <laughs> Came on right after, so I was forced. Gun to my head. Hey, I needed a good laugh, even though it ended tragically, because I was, but, I mean, I'm in Seattle, so, so, you know, our Seahawks lost. Uh, well, hey, Victoria, <laughs> and my boyfriend has seriously been a Seahawks fan since oh, he was like five. That's right. That's the closest team you have. If you yeah, exactly. So he's a dire, like, uh, yeah, oh my God. And he was just ecstatic about them going, and yeah. it really was. That's and you were were you show. too sick to provide comfort for him? <laughs> I was. I was there. I was there for him. I mean, I was sad too. I was never into football until we started seeing each other, and he got me right into it. I mean, every Sunday we did not miss a game this year or last oh, year. Oh wow! So it's really it was a sad sad oh, day. They made that's all right. They made it that far. Wow. They did, okay. and they'll you know they'll go for it again next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, just a word about Meredith. You know, she does have this wonderful voice. She's actually appeared in Broadway. And actually, I don't know if it was in musical, though, actually. But I always think of Broadway's in musicals. Um, she was also in uh, a small part, and I married an axe murder. And uh, she's played annoyingly perky just perfectly, I think. Oh, so perfectly. Really well. It was funny. I was there for the screening, and they're like, I'm so glad she's not a regular because her character <laughs> is just so out of control. It's pretty funny. She'll be back for that Ivan the Incorrigible episode, too. Yeah. Now, tell me, you went to a screening. Is this like after they edited or just rough this cuts? This was or? on the day, they, every week on the Tuesday that the show airs, they have a screening um, at Manhattan Beach Studios where the episode's where the show is filmed mm-hmm. and uh, it's just on their lunch break and all the crew and some of the producers and directors go and they watch the episode that day before it airs it's on the tuesday that it airs so i was actually just down in la for some other reasons oh. and uh, they had invited me to come and watch the screening with them so i went and i checked it out so i got to see it actually before it aired which was really fun you were down in la that's perfect that's perfect. yeah totally so it was really cool to see everybody again and get to watch the episode with them all and it was, it was a lot of fun <laughs> well now later um missy's wonderful laughter got out of control once again and shirley had to improvise because ivan wasn't around she had to come up with some way other than bambi got shot or bill buckner <laughs> to get her to stop laughing as long as we're speaking as girlfriends aside from god and les miserables how are you and ivan compatible well, we love children. I'm a wonderful housekeeper, and I love to cook. These are traditional values I speak of. I'm sexually very indefatigable. <laughs> oh, God. Tsunami, Holocaust, Trentlot. Are you, uh, are you one of those? Those? Those people who mock the religious right, who put down our administration. <gasps> I would 
god. That's good. At the reception, she has another chance to let loose of her love of music. I mean, you really have to see the scene. I'm obviously you did where Shirley's reaction is just over the top shock. Oh, and this is, yeah. I shouldn't say this is the reception. This is the actual like uh, night before the wedding kind of yes, gathering. kind of the wedding dinner party. That's right. Before. Let's enjoy the singing of. Well, I think this may be the debut of Tom Selleck singing. I don't know. We'll find out. Hello, time for my toast. Why am I here? Why am I? First, I'd like to thank you all for coming tonight. I have a confession to make. I never really thought I'd get married. I'd always hoped to, but, well, the thought that I'd actually meet a man who could look past my various eccentricities and quirks and see me for my heart. I never thought I'd actually meet a man who... childhood you've got to be kidding perhaps i had a miserable youth but somewhere in my wicked miserable past there must have been a moment of truth being punk can be nice for you that lovely just prior to that scene actually and this is another part that's cut you can confirm that in your script i suppose but there was uh, some dialogue between shirley and ivan actually at that dinner prior to um missy taking the stage and shirley said to ivan you know this is a fraud you know and he goes oh please and she says well first of all you're not even religious and ivan says well i like church she goes, well, yeah, it's a place to pick up women, <laughs> which is probably how you met her. The two of you are nothing alike. Evan goes, I find in relationship, it's the differences that you celebrate. And then Missy goes and clinks the glass and Tom says, that's my cue and joins her on stage. But, and I guess, you know, just like, unfortunately, your line, it was just, they had to make it fit that 41, 42 yeah, minutes. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Some things don't always make it. The final clip that in this little scene is, uh, and we won't, we're not even going to go into the whole marriage thing, but it's very poignant. But uh, I, Ivan does make one real strong play for Shirley as they walk home. As he walks her home, who knows why he's walking her That's home? That's what I was wondering. That was a bit strange. Like all of a sudden he's walking her home, but who knows? They have to connect in some way. Missy's <laughs> waiting there for him back at the yeah, restaurant. Like, I don't know. See you later, honey. <laughs> yeah. And so this is what transpired. You really love this girl, Ivan? Love is a state of mind, Shirley. No, it isn't. Maybe that's your problem. You think... My problem is I love you. There, I said it. I love you. Never stopped. This isn't fair what you're doing to this girl. I have enormous affection for her. The sex is rewarding. I make her happy. All adds up to a workable equation. Your sense of romance is overwhelming. We always said 
What a mistake it was for us to get married. Maybe the blender was splitting up. Do you ever wonder? No. And since you can't show a kiss on radio, <laughs> the ensuing minute-long musical interlude <laughs> was them enjoying each other one last time because... Georgia, do you want to conclude the storyline? What happened after that that fateful kiss? Well, they got married, and of course, at the wedding, there was that longing gaze back at Shirley from Ivan, mm-hmm. which is sort of maybe a prelude to who knows what's going to happen in these further episodes that's happening. And you but, wonder what was going through Shirley's mind. She did smile, but was it a yes. smile of sadness, or I'm letting you go, or poignancy? You know, it's hard to tell, but we know that he is coming back. So I would think it might be a bit of sort of, because she never really did say that she didn't love him. Mm-hmm. Remember when he asked her mm-hmm. how she felt about him? And she didn't deny that she didn't have feelings for him. Oh. She also didn't say she did. Yeah. But it leaves it sort of open-ended. She's such and a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's got those like indirect answers for everything. But, you know. And of course, if anybody who loves Sound of Music, the whole wedding scene had a big reprise of... Maria and the Captain, something good with the full choir. Oh man, that was hilarious. <laughs> it was good. Well, let's move on to, um, I think both of our favorite storylines. This was not just fantastic for Paul Lewis and for Renee. Is it Obuju? Ju- That's what I always have the hardest time. I was like, and I met Renee. Um, <laughs> Do, say it. I think. Obujunois. Yeah, that's how I sort of have been pronouncing it. Now, are you thinking what I'm thinking, Emmy? Emmy, Emmy. Well, that would be very cool because yeah. <laughs> I have like a connection to an Emmy in some indirect way. There would be no Paul Emmy if it weren't for Georgia. <laughs> exactly. There we go. No, but it was really, he was, and it was cool because he's kind of, I mean, he's a big character in the show, but this is sort of, I've been, it was a really big episode for him, you know, like it really. This was his first storyline, his first exactly. strong storyline. Exactly. So it was really, it was, and he did it just so well. And, and it was nice because he's sort of a hard character, you know, that we don't mm-hmm. get to see a lot of emotion from. And, and seeing that vulnerable sort of emotional side of him mm-hmm. was something new and really good. You know, you probably don't get the U.S. TV guide, but there was an article, an interview with him just a few days ago this week. That was so charming. He's like witty and self-effacing, but there's so much depth there. And I just really enjoyed that article. He's He's been nominated for Emmys twice. Once for Benson, because he was in a comedy series back in the 80s, Benson. And also, he was nominated for an appearance in The Practice. So oh, wow. he played a judge back in, um, in 97, I think. Oh, cool. I didn't know. He also has won a Tony as well. For stage. Apparently. Oh. Yeah, for stage. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. So he's a well-rounded guy. Yeah, and he was very, very nice as well. Oh, let's play a soundbite because this this is not only just the soundbite of the storyline that introduces Paul's angst, but it starts out with you. Yay. This is incredible <laughs> because we're going to hear your singing and, and then we're, I'm going to ask you a little bit about this, fil- filming this scene. Sounds good. <laughs> so, you sounded like Missy right there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <great>. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> So why not do it? Be in his wedding. 
an ex-wife as a best man? Come on, Paul. But if you're as close as you say and the fiancé is okay with it. There's also a rehearsal dinner. He wants me there at that. Well, all I know is when somebody asks you to be in his wedding, and how many has he had? This will be number six. sentimental songs, I guess. If she sings You Light Up My Life, I'll be on the floor. Where were we? I was obsessing about my ex-husband's nuptials. How's your daughter, by the way? Rachel, right? Georgia. Yay! I've got tears in my eyes, man. Every time Aww. I hear that. Seriously, I've been... It's a good song. That thanks song. again song. And of course, he, he didn't hear you the first stanza, but when you start talking about doing your homework, helping with yep. the homework, dating, and that was the part, and then marrying mom. Oh my God. I know. It's a kicker. Oh, man. Oh, it's so, so good. tell me, tell me now. This is the time when you have free reign. I would love to know about filming that scene and how long it took you and were those lights hot because they did a great job with the pink lighting, the key lights yeah. on you. Well, it was like the best day of my life. It really was. It was the, I, my call time was 5.30 and I went um, to the trailer to get my hair and makeup done where I go in and Kenneth Bergen is there right next to me getting all of her hair and makeup done. So the, initially to start off to my day, it was just like a major huge like wow so that was cool wow. um and the, we shot from about seven in the morning to about five at night um that scene as well as the other scene i was in at the end of the show mm -hmm. um so it was it was a long day but it was it was just unbelievable everybody there i the one thing that really struck me was the professionalism of everybody and how everybody has their specific job and they do their job and and I was able to just do my job because everybody else made it so easy for me to just be comfortable and wow. do what I had to do. And I didn't, you know, have any, I just sang, or well, at lip sync because of course I recorded the songs the day before in the studio. Was it the day before? Oh, okay. It was the day before. And so I was lip syncing on the actual show, but everybody was just so exceptional. I mean, I had a girl specifically there to give me water between takes. I had oh. somebody specifically there to pull down the seam of my dress. 
I, of course, had Kelly and Jory, the hair and makeup um, people, doing my hair and makeup between every take. Yeah. So it was funny. Every time they'd say cut, about six people would, like, come running <laughs> towards me. And But it was just so wonderful. I mean, I could have stay there for 10 more hours. I just loved every minute of it. And everybody was so nice. And mm. I really can't emphasize how wonderful these people were. You think Hollywood, you're, you're going to be dealing with these big, pompous, snobby people. But it was completely nothing like that at all. Every stereotype I've had of Hollywood or that sort of scene was just broken down with these people because they were just so wonderful and, oh. and so nice and, and yeah. great. Oh, Sorry, you, you mentioned Kelly and Jory, and I remember even they got uh, mentioned in uh, Spader's not James Spader's speech. speech. Yeah, yes, they did, and so, well, they're all very close because they spend so much time together. And when they came to Nemo Bay, uh, James really sort of hung out a lot with Kelly and Jory. Like they sort of had their own table all together. They all hung out a lot. So I think they're good friends. Mm. But they are just so the most wonderful people. And I, Kelly and Jory, I spent a lot of time with too as well because when they were at Nemo Bay, it was actually my 21st birthday, mm. and for a birthday present, they Kelly cut my hair and Dory did my makeup, oh. so I got to hang out with them a lot, and they just were so sweet to me, and they all did it, just they came and said, we're going to do this, we want to do this for you, oh. and they were really fun, and they made my whole birthday so wicked, And did they so. collect and, and hand you some money as well? They <laughs> did, they surprised me beyond, I just, oh my, they did, they apparently had gotten the whole crew together. Um, all the producers and executives that were there, the whole crew from Vancouver, like the grip crew and all them, to just like pool in money. And the total came to $700. Wow. Like, what the heck? I could not believe it. I was, it was funny because Bill D'Elia had actually, we all had a big dinner and I was serving at the time. I was serving and I was housekeeping. That was sort of what I was doing at Nemo when they were all there. I thought you would be just singing. That's it. Or well, no, you, I was singing yeah. as well, but I was also serving and housekeeping okay. in the daytime and then singing in the evening. Wow. Yeah, everything. Your child labor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's family, so it doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Bill, um, at the end of their dinner, stood up and he's like, we have a presentation to make. And and uh, he, he called me over and he handed me um, a practice sort of like a, a bag that you'd put like a laptop computer or something oh. and it was from the practice and they gave me a, um, a long raincoat that said the practice on it they gave me a signed script of Boston Legal oh. um, they gave me David E. Kelly letterhead with this beautiful leather bound um, container to put it in and all this wonderful beautiful stuff and I was like thank you all so much this is amazing and they were all still sort of looking at me in excitement, like, and I was thinking, oh, am I not showing enough excitement for these presents? So I was like, this is amazing, like, <laughs> really trying to sound like I was excited. And they're like, no, there's, and so James Spader grabs Peggy, he's like, there's got to be something more in there. And he's rummaging through it, and he pulls out a, um, a card. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't read the card first. I thought, oh, gosh, yeah. how horrible of me. I'm opening all these presents. And so he hands me the card, and I feel inside the card a big lump. Oh. And I open up the card, and it's just like, cash oh, and they all bills. started screaming they're like yay like, <laughs> I was just floored I told oh. tears like out of my eyes because they just were so I mean I was just working and they didn't have to do anything and they just all pooled in this money and got me presents oh. and, I mean David Kelly had to have brought that stuff before he came like the presents you know because he knew it was my birthday and oh, and there's and nothing just, there it's just you guys you're alive exactly yeah. I mean exactly <laughs> they couldn't like they couldn't go run and get it they, we were at Nemo Bay and so they had brought it in like before they wow. even came and 
it was just totally, it was so great. So that's totally off topic. But now, no, <laughs> no, a, this is great because no, tell me, these didn't find their way to eBay or anything. You have them in a special place, right? I have. Oh, I have everything. <laughs> I've got them. I've got both my scripts in the container up on my wall. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah, not not on eBay. <laughs> no, no, that is. What did you do with your um, seven hundred dollars? Well, it was because the reason why they like pulled in so much because they had asked my brother, where does your sister like to go shopping? Like, what's her favorite store to shop in? Mm. And him being like the, <laughs> who he is, told them Prada because he knew it was so expensive and he wanted to say something expensive to try to, you know, so they're like, whoa, Prada, like we've really got to chip in some money here. I've never even like been in a Prada store in my life, although maybe one day it will be nice. But anyway, so I went and I actually, Clifton? yes, this was Clifton. This is Clifton. Um, my boyfriend and I went to Seattle actually for the weekend and we oh. went to a Mariners game. Oh, sorry. No, that wasn't the time. We went to Seattle, but we didn't. That was the Mariners game. Well, yeah, January, yeah. No, no, but, it was yeah. April. That's right. That would have been the season was, just started. Maybe it was yeah. that. No, it probably was. Ah. We went to Seattle a few times this past year. Might have been that trip or another trip. But we did go to Seattle, and we stayed in a hotel and kind of went and did some shopping wow. and stuff like that. So it was really it was really a great present. Thanks to them. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, big time. That was so sweet. <laughs> But the, should I talk a little bit more about the... Yes, I'm, I'm all in Nemo now. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're on the Nemo mode. <laughs> but let's go back. Yeah, let's go back to the filming of that day. And but, now, um, Did you have to stand on the stage for those? Was it, you know, f- oh, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m.? Yeah, they, pretty, I had a break from about 1 o'clock to about 1.45. Hmm. And then pretty much the whole time... I was up there and I was wearing these huge heels. Oh. I, they had me in these shoes that were, I mean, I'm 5'11", and I was about 6'2", in these oh. like three-inch heels. So not only was I up on a stage, but I was like towering above like all these people. And I just must have been like some big monster up there. But um, I did, I stood up. But you know what? It it didn't even phase me. I was so excited to be there that nothing, I could have stood there for 10 more hours. Seriously, oh. I just had so much adrenaline and I, I just felt so honored to be there. There and be a part of it all. I, I just nothing, nothing. It wasn't, you know. I wasn't like, damn it, I need to sit down. Like, now, did you record thanks again first, and then the world goes around later? And um, well, what that? I did is I arrived in LA on January second, and on January third, I went to Jim Henson Studios, which is an amazing studio. Is that in Jim LA. Henson, as in the Muppets? As in the Muppets, wow. where the Muppets was recorded every. And it's uh, where Charlie Chaplin uh, started his whole recording career wow. for TV and everything else. It's where, I mean, U2, uh, Rolling Stones, John Lennon, Gladys Knight, uh, Metallica, like everybody has recorded in a studio. So to wow. be able to record there was just totally unbelievable. The whole, you know, everything was unbelievable. And did you get a copy of like on CD of your... You know, I did. Recite. Well, they oh, gave great. me, what I did was I recorded the songs that day. I, rec- I actually mm-hmm. originally sang three songs in the episode, mm-hmm. City Lights, World Goes Round, and Thanks Again. Mm-hmm. City Lights was got cut, but it was only probably 10 seconds. Oh. So not it wasn't a full song. It was like right before Thanks Again, and it was a very, very short part of the song that I Kinda sang. Kind of like ending one, one song in the set. and starting Yeah, exactly. That's to exactly how it went. Your I line was disappeared, doing, and so exactly. did the song. Okay. I was doing the tail end of the song, and then one line, and then the next song. Um, but so I recorded all those three songs in the studio that day. I spent about six hours in the studio. And then they gave me a CD of the songs to take home that night because I had to practice 
lip syncing along to mm, them because mm-hmm. I've never had to lip sync or anything before. So mm-hmm. I was able to take a copy of the CD back home with me and I, my boyfriend and I were there and I was in the living room and tried to reenact the whole scene and I, um, I just practiced the songs over and over and over lip syncing. Oh, how fantastic. So I, I, I just want to say you're, they let your boyfriend come along. This is wonderful. You needed oh, to have that did. moral support. He was there. He was on the set. He was. Cause he's also my producer. He's also producing all of my music and whatnot. So Aww. we're kind of like the boyfriend producer combo. <laughs> it works out really well, though. <laughs> it does. It does very well. Um, but uh, yeah, they were so lovely to him, and he was there on the set. They gave him his own little chair, and he mm. hung out and. Was is he on? Was he one of the? Could he have been in the um, audience? Extras? No, he wasn't. He's not. He's not into being on camera. He's a behind the scenes guy. Okay, producer. He was, he was. Yeah, he was well staying away from that. <laughs> um, but he was there, and and so so yeah. Then I got to practice the songs, and then so the next day I was sort of able to lip sync my best because for some of the times I could actually sing out loud so it would be more convincing <laughs> then sometimes when they were doing dialogue I had to there was no sound at all and I had the songs coming through my ear in a little earwig oh. like a monitor in my ear oh. so I had to sort of lip sync to to it coming through my ear which was kind of challenging but I was able to pull it off <laughs> well that yeah that's try your was that any of your were any of your close-ups you know the ones where they were shooting from the stage with your profile yeah, well, where you I were lip syncing because that's hard to do. They were all most of them because that whole like is when Thanks Again starts. There's the clip at the beginning where I'm just singing and you only hear me, and then Lewiston starts talking. And that whole time while they're talking, uh, I was lip syncing, and there was no sound in the room. Like when mm. there was no lines, they would be playing the song out loud mm. in the room so everybody could hear it. Mm-hmm. But they'd have lines and they would cut the song out. So sometimes the song would even be playing and they would cut it out halfway through and all of a sudden it would come through my earwig, mm. my ear monitor in my ear. And so I'd have to go from hearing it out loud to just having the room be totally silent. And I had to be silent and everybody had to be silent because they were doing their dialogue. So it was, it was interesting because I'd never had any experience with that before. And I, I didn't get any prepping either on what exactly was going to happen. So I was kind of just going with it all. But I mean, I just, I just always waited for action, and, and then I was good <laughs> okay. to go. It was, was Bill the one that was saying, action? Yes, he <laughs> was. He was. Well, they say like a number of things before. You know, they say like camera one, camera two. Uh-huh. Da, da, da. They say about four different things before they say action. So I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure it's just action. So just wait till they say action and then start. Because like, I didn't want to, you know, start after they say camera one or whatever. So uh-huh. action was the key word that day, definitely. <laughs> how, how hot was it under those lights? Because they were pretty intense looking. It was warm. It was warm. And they had, I mean, Jory, the makeup artist, she came... Luckily, they, you know, they do the touching up between every take. Um, but I did have the definite perspiration going on, and I was barely moving. So yeah. <laughs> the lights were hot because I was barely moving, and I was still sweating. So I really they love, were able to I love the up. way that the pink kind of caresses your hand that's on the holding the mic. You know, it yeah. just like outlines you. And this is so yeah. neat. Let's definitely let's play another scene from the Paul storyline and move ahead on that one. Um, but we're going to talk more about you because we have a little bit during your scene where you sing World Goes Round a little bit later yeah. in the episode. Yeah. it's later when he and Shirley are back at the office and they're talking a little bit about actually her performance he critiques it was as if that song was pointed right at my head I did her homework with her I drove her to the prom all the nights I waited up what happened she basically stole from me how you name it 
She'd feign problems with rent or health, credit card debt. She'd invent all kinds of crises to impel me to write a check, the proceeds of which would always go to feed her drug habit. The last straw, I got her in a program, an exclusive one. I told her if she left, she was cut off. She left. We had a fight. I haven't spoken to her since. That was seven years ago. You should go see her. Let's list all the reasons not to and put them under column A. And column B. She's your daughter. Hmm. Well, wow. I think that uh, he was really listening to your lyrics on that. Um, You were the device. You were the person, the catalyst. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's very poignant, actually. I wonder what your dad had to say after listening to that and listening to you singing that song. Did he have any comment? The funny thing is, is... I don't know if anybody knows this either, but I've actually been seeing that song with my dad for about seven years. Oh, no. And that was the song that I sang for the Boston Legal Crew when they came. So David Kelly heard me sing that song, and he liked it so much that he decided to put it in the show. So I've actually sung it with my dad for a long, long time. And um, Now, for your dad or with your dad? With my dad. So my dad... Well, he plays the guitar, and I sing. And so that's what we do at Nemo Bay, and what I have done since I was five years old. He teaches me songs, and and I sing. And that was one of the songs that he taught me and that I learned about seven years ago, and we've been singing it for our guests every summer. And I sang it for the Boston Legal Crew because it's kind of one of those, you know, (laughs) heart-wrenching, get the emotions going kind of songs. And so when I got the script and I looked at the songs and I was so surprised, like, thanks again. Oh, my gosh, they put that song in there. And that was the song that I sang for them. So that was even cooler because I already knew one of the songs. Um, I, so I wonder if he was that song and the fact that you've been singing that song for so long. And then that actually germinated the whole storyline. Well, based it, on that. you know, and it's funny because my line that I say before that ended up getting cut was I'd like to dedicate the song to all the parents out there, especially all the fathers. So it was almost like he was kind of having me also say it to my real dad in a way as well, you know, Mm -hmm. it was very interesting. So, but you know, after my dad watched the episode, I was actually in LA when it aired and he called me after he saw it and he was just, he just was blown away. And both my parents, they were both, but it's funny because we've kind of become, because we've done the song so many times, it's hard to feel the emotion every time with it. I mean, when I sing it, of course, I convey the emotion when I'm performing it. But as far as my dad goes, he's kind of conditioned to like have to hold it together. You know, he can't <laughs> burst into tears every time we perform it for the guests. Oh. But he said watching it on the show really kind of put him back and was like, wow, like really the emotions were there in full effect because he's kind of got to see it as a perform as a as a, a watcher as opposed to a performer. So mm. the different angle really got, I think, the emotions going for him, mm. which was very cool. <laughs> I was I was wondering how that sound, song got picked, and it was you. Yeah, it's so, isn't that neat? So did, I guess, yeah, no, that's kind of another new little bit of information as well. Did that, I know, revealed here for the first time. Yeah. How about the other two songs? Were they new to you or had you had They something? were both new to me, and I, I actually didn't receive either of them until about two weeks before I had to go down uh. because I had so many different loopholes because I'm a Canadian. <laughs> I had to get cleared through immigration to be able to work in the States, and I also had to get cleared through SAG to be able to work for a SAG wow. production. 
So it took about a month to get it all cleared. And this whole time, I wasn't sure if I was even going to come and do it because they didn't know if I was going to be approved. And finally, I got approved about two weeks before I actually was coming. And they shipped me down the script. They shipped me the songs and uh, the lyrics, and I learned them. I had sort of some familiarity with The World Goes Round just because of its tie with New York, New York, and I knew that Liza Minnelli sang it and whatnot, but I never had sung the song myself or didn't really know the words. Mm -hmm. I just sort of had heard of the song. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the other song I didn't know at all, um, so I I had to sort of brush up on both of them pretty quickly. Even though it was just the last few minutes. But you recorded, probably recorded the full City Lights. Well, no, I I only recorded my, my part. Okay. The, oh, just that the was, ending, which was yeah. It was to just be. the last verse. It was probably like twenty seconds, ah. so it wasn't a lot to have to learn at all. And then again, world goes round. I only had to learn about half, just over half of the song as well. So they weren't full songs, but say I had enough time to to get it all prepared. <laughs> You know, this is, I can't wait any longer. This is the moment because we just listened to Thanks Again and I've been walking around the house humming it all for like (laughs) days. Why don't you reveal what incredibly generous thing that you've done for all the people that wrote you? You got a lot of feedback after that episode aired, didn't you? Yeah, well, the amazing thing was is that people actually took the time to go to their computers and I guess Google my name and find my website or at least see it somewhere. They found it like literally that night and that morning after the show aired, we had tons and tons of emails coming in all through my website. So I was really excited that people got to actually see my website. Um, And they were all asking me, you know, where's this song? How can we get it? Who did it? Do you have your own version of it and whatnot? And so I decided that it's it's a far stretch from the type of music that my boyfriend and I do. It's a lot different, but it's a beautiful song. And I just was so overwhelmed by the kind words that everybody had um, emailed me that I decided to put it on um, an iSound site, which I'm featured in, for free download. Mm -hmm. So it's available on this iSound site, and you can actually get to the site. There's a link on my website, which is georgiamurray.net, and you can go and download it for free, the song. It's an acoustic version. The song on the show has some percussion and a couple other instruments, but this song is just a guitar and me, so it's a little more simple, but... I think it's quite lovely. Did you just uh, cut it and record it just this week? Then? Well, I did or? it actually before I left because uh-huh. I wasn't sure. I wanted to be prepared just in case we didn't have any responses um, to the song. And I didn't have a lot of um, plans on selling it. I just wanted to have it available. You know, I thought maybe somebody might ask me for it, but then it turned <laughs> out that quite a few people did. So it worked out really great that I had it available. You know, you so, could have charged and, and you could have gotten some remuneration for your work. Well, yeah, I could have, but I kind of wanted to, I really want to start creating a fan base, you know, and I'm working on a CD right now that I will be selling in the future. Yes. So I figured that it's a good way to sort of give back to all the people that um, were so kind in reaching out to me and telling me how great they thought I was because it really you know, just made me feel so wonderful. So I wanted to sort of give something back to them and also maybe create a fan base that I can have when my CD comes out. And who knows, they might want to actually buy my CD. So I figured, and I just, I don't know, I thought it would be a nice thing to it's do. A very, it's a know. very Prince thing to do. I think he didn't need to use the, one of the first guys to use the internet, Prince, and, and give away some so that you would come back and buy so, yes, that's great. And again, go to georgiamurray.net. Why not .com, Georgia? <laughs> well, because, you know, georgiamurray.com is a real estate agent. 
she has it. Yes. Don't <laughs> so go there. <laughs> we try to get that. I have both georgiamurray.net and .ca. Okay. So the two of them I both own, but yeah. .com, unfortunately, somebody else has, and yeah. so we couldn't we couldn't get that one. Well, would have been, It would have been ideal, but couldn't get it. And just in case if you happen to be anybody listening, I happen to be right on boston-legal.org we link to it as well so just if they don't remember your name which i don't know why that would be but yeah all right this scene that we're going to play between paul and rachel is actually the second half of a scene where she comes into his office to have words he's already met her tried to form a bond and it didn't go well at her house but he did learn he had a a grandchild so now uh, she's come to see him kind of to see where they're at and he just finished telling her, shut the door. This is time to talk. And then this, this scene commences. I was not going to enable you any longer. So you stop giving me money. But to walk out, to refuse to take my calls, to tell security at your damn firm not to let me in. You think you're going to lay all this on me? I gave you everything. It was oh, your I... job to give me everything. Just like it's my job to give Fiona everything, no matter at what. At some point. I needed you. God's sake, Dad. I was a drug addict, an alcoholic. I had nothing. I needed my father, and you abandoned me. You think that was easy for me? I spoke to counselors, professionals. They all told me you had to hit bottom before. I'm mission accomplished, Dad, because I did. In my darkest days, during your mother's illness, I would let my mind wander to you. I would dream of being there for you when you gave birth to our first grandchild. Getting to hold and love a baby again, like I did you. days through it all I had one little thing one tiny semblance of a foundation and it was knowing that no matter what my father would be there for me and he wasn't he wasn't how dare you take that from me everywhere you know i i jane brooke who plays rachel liston maybe this is going to be um maybe she'll get honored with the guest star emmy wow yeah she was so exceptional i was there when um they were filming that episode that's the actually oh. only other bit that i saw because i came in the day before i filmed for a fitting oh. and i got to see a very short clip of that scene while it was getting filmed, and uh, both Bill D'Elia and I think Janet Leahy, who is one of the other executive producers, and she also writes for the show as well, mm-hmm. they both looked at each other and they were just like, she's fantastic, oh, I'm so glad we got her, oh, she's great, and they were whispering about how wonderful oh, she was. So That is great. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> so you actually watched that exchange. Yeah, I did. I saw them. I was right, actually sitting right next to Bill 
in the little director's seat, and Janet Leahy was right next to Bill on the other side. Wow. And uh, they were going back and forth about how great she was and how much they were glad that they got her for the part. And she's going to continue on for a little while. Yeah. Um, so. Now they know what Bill was saying to Janet about them. If they yeah, exactly. To yeah, exactly. They were both saying just great things, and they were both just like, wow, look, she's doing so well. And so well, great she, about her. As you probably know, and she's been on a David E. Kelly show before. She was on Chicago Hope. Mm-hmm. And... When I remember her from Chicago Hope, and I'm seeing her now again, she looks like Susan Day, which I know L.A. Law was before your time, but that was, you know, that was his first big tr- yeah, his success. First big thing. And Susan Day was one of the lawyers, and Jane looks like Susan, and they they all have those those dimples and everything. Yeah. But also, it's interesting to know that in Chicago Hope, Adam Arkin was in there, and Adam Arkin played an attorney, the ADA that was in Alan's Troy story, yeah, Alan Troy storyline. And he's set to direct an episode coming up. Oh, really? He will be the first director that Boston Legal has had that was is an actor that's not just a director for Boston Legal. Oh, cool. So Adam, Adam Arkin. Did, now, you didn't probably get a chance to meet him again. No, I didn't, unfortunately. So you only met of the cast, Renee, Candace, and... Maybe Jane. I mean, we were in the same. No, set I didn't actually her. meet her. I just sort of saw her. Saw her. <laughs> <laughs> but they were working at the time, and I was there for literally fifteen minutes. I was just kind of getting walked around the set. I was mm-hmm. getting shown kind of all the different sets, and I was taken into onto that set while they were filming, and mm. and then I had to go off for my recording session. But I did get to just see, I think, the tail end of that scene. So that was your first chance to see what it's like to film a TV show, and then you were just doing it. <laughs> yeah, and then the next day I was like, okay, now Throw you're doing it. it. <laughs> Uh, the final soundbite we'll play in the in the Paul storyline was is actually with you singing as well. And uh, this is which song is this? And the world goes round. Mm-hmm. And we don't know this one was not chosen by you or anything like that. But you you were telling me that you did hear about it. I mean, you you were aware of it as being a Broadway song. I was sort of, I, I think, yeah, aware would be as much as I, like, I didn't know the words or even really the tune, but I sort of was familiar with, just because New York, New York is, you know, a pretty it's serious, it's a film and it's also Broadway. Mm-hmm. And is it Broadway as well? Is that correct? Or is it just a film? You know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't even, maybe we'll okay. cut that part out. Anyways, it is a big film and Liza Minnelli is obviously amazing and so... I knew I just knew of the song, but I didn't know it at all, really. But, um, but you did a great job, and let's listen to you and the dialogue that goes along with you. But the most important part is you singing. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you're happy and sometimes you're sad, but the world goes. Should we request that other song? For my money, she probably did hit bottom because you walked away. And that maybe saved her life. Forgive her. I'm not sure she'll forgive me. Paul, you went to her house. Today, she came to your office. You two are already back together. You just can't figure out a way to execute the deal. And what about you and Ivan? I'm sorry? Do you still love him? I beg your pardon? Your taste in men, Shirley. Ivan Tiggs. Denny Crane, wild, bigger than life. I, I don't love Ivan anymore. I'm just his best man. 
big finish. <laughs> <laughs> now, sure, I thought that Lewiston was going to put Shirley on the spot. You know, he asked her, do you love him? And he goes, I beg your pardon. Excuse me. What? You know, and then Shirley yeah. says, I do not love him. <laughs> do you, I guess, yeah, she does. But I don't know if that's. Yeah, <laughs> she's convincing herself and, and does not, of course, would never reveal that. Exactly. Bigger than life. That Again, we hark back to the live big title there. She goes for men that are bigger than life. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about the musicians. You had some guys behind you. And- I did. Well, yeah, the guys behind me weren't the same guys as the ones that I actually recorded the songs with. Um, but the ones, the guys behind me were very nice as well. They were wonderful and very nice. Uh, but the guys that actually recorded the music in Jim Henson's studios were such exceptional musicians. They'd worked with B.B. Uh, King and Gladys Knight and wow. been on, I mean, every album you could even probably think of they were studio musicians for. Wow. And they got those songs, I think, that morning. Like, they got the, the music that morning, and they sat down and, and plowed out the songs and and were so wonderful with me uh because the Thanks Again song was that was very easy for me to sing because I knew it very well. The World Goes Round song that we just heard doesn't sound very difficult, but it's actually a difficult song because there's a lot of sort of jazz chords going on and my melody line is never played or my notes are never played oh. in those chords. So I was having a bit of difficulty with it initially uh, because it was somewhat of a challenging song, but they worked with me closely to help me figure out some of the little areas that I was having troubles with and and were calm and cool and made me feel very comfortable as well and helped me sort of iron out the the tough parts. But they were just amazing. I mean, they were amazing. It was they were perfect. No, <laughs> really, it did sound like in the middle there, and when we could, we couldn't really hear it because the dialogue was going over. But that there was almost like a, a key change, you know, kind of a more oh, yeah. minor. There's a, there's a big key change, and I actually, because I was sent the song and I learned the song, and they actually changed a bunch of things when I went in. Like they, they, uh, the key chain change was added, so I had to learn that when I got in. Uh, they, I had to do some other parts, and they took some other parts out, so there's a few changes that I wasn't able to practice, and so those mm. are sort of where some of the more difficult parts were happening for me, um, but they were so great with helping me. I mean, the pianist took me in the little piano room and plunked out my notes for me, and I had a, another gentleman who stayed with me the whole time to make sure that I was hitting each note correctly and helping me sing them if I wasn't, and they were all just so uh, just so wonderful, really yeah. wonderful people and helpful and extraordinarily talented, beyond belief, really. Aww. I mean, these people, we the saxophone player that came in to play the sax part on that song did his piece in eight minutes. He'd never heard the song before. He didn't have the music. He walked in. They handed him the music. He went in the studio. Literally eight minutes. He did two takes. And he says as he leaves, it's a good thing they don't pay me by the hour. <laughs> like, like the kind of the extraordinary talent of these people is, is something that is beyond anything that I've ever witnessed. Because yeah, these people are are the best of the best. It's like talent, but then they're in a way they're kind of like journeymen. They just come in and they do their job. Oh, yeah. I and mean, they're very professional. Yeah, there's I, there's talent, and then there's just an extraordinary level of like it just happens for them. They just they don't even have to. It's just completely second nature. They wow. just play. You know, they don't even 
they just play music, and it's not it's just a part of who they are, and they're just so amazing. And to watch that sax player come in and do that was like blew me away. After my six hour recording session, <laughs> you know, Georgia, you know, I, I just have to say, and you've been doing this since you were five, so you've been doing it fifteen yeah. years or whatever. And, and I just have to say, you are so giving and generous about what you say about other people. They would be so flattered to hear this, and it's not well, about it's, me, me, me. It's it's you're giving back. Well, to them. I mean, they were. I just. I, that's just how I felt about them, and it made me just, like, stand back and say, oh, goodness me. And I kept saying, like, well, you guys are so great. And they're like, well, we're old. <laughs> You're only 21, so you have time to learn, you know. And so, but I, it just was, like, overwhelming to be able to just be a part of that and be in the same room as those people, you know, like, playing with them. But it, at the same time, it felt totally normal and totally cool and cash, you know. Mm-hmm. But in another part of it, it was, like, overwhelming, but... <laughs> So they were just lovely, just oh, like everybody good. was lovely. Oh, yeah, and I bet you missed the girl with the water bottle. <laughs> yes, she was fantastic. <laughs> Handing you the water and, you know, getting your dress straightened a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were all oh. so exceptional. Now, are we going to be able to hear any um, versions of World Goes Round or City Lights from your website, georgiamurray.net? <laughs> I don't actually have those ones. Okay. Um, I just thought I'd do the thanks again because yeah. it was sort of the featured song on oh, the yeah. episode. And um, I could, I have access, I have access to a guitar player who was able to just sort of um, bang out the guitar part. And the world goes round is actually a little more difficult with as far as having, you know, I'd have to get in a, probably a full band. Oh, to that's do it, right. And it'd be just a little more yeah. of a task. And considering it's not something I'm going to be like releasing or anything, I just mm-hmm. thought that Thanks Again was like a nice. You know, and it was the main one. I think we only had one or two requests for World Goes Round, but we had tons and tons of requests for Thanks Again. So and we've never said that. who the composer is, so why don't you go ahead and unveil who wrote the song. Uh, Don Fitzgerald wrote the song, and Ricky Skaggs sang it and sort of made it popular back back in his day. And then World Goes Round was written by John Kander and Fred Ebb, and it was also covered by Barry Manilow. And Liza Minnelli, of course, sang it in New York, New York. And this musical moment was brought to you by Georgia Murray. (laughs) We're all music all the time here at Boston Legal. Eyes and bouquets for Mother's Day, for Father's Day shirt and a card. Well, this is not the end, just the end of part one. You'll want to definitely download and listen to part two of our conversation with Georgia Murray, talking about the episode Live Big. In part two, we'll cover the Alan Shore storyline with Ryan Meyerson. Deb from Montreal will cover Trek in the Courtroom, the similarities between Boston Legal and Star Trek in this episode. Then we'll talk with Georgia about what she's doing today, and she's going to share a lot more memories about the filming of Finding Nemo up at her family's resort in British Columbia at Nemo Bay. And of course, we always end with Boston Legal News of the Week. And as a reward for sticking around to the very end of part two, Georgia's treating us to her newly recorded version of Thanks Again. And thanks again for the love and table and tanning my bottom when I told you a lie.